coming to get you, Barbara. Here's some money. Go see a Star Wars. But I'm trying, Rainbow. I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. Welcome back to Long Walk Talks. My name is David Hensley. I'm the owner and creative director of Long Walk Productions, and I am here to introduce my co-host, the almost birthday boy, Stan Wilson Lee. Hello, it's my birthday tomorrow. And uh, the still like seven months away from his birthday, just like me, Chris Wilson Barnes. Happy birthday. Better start planning now. We already have. And today... I got your present. Uh, we are going to be continuing and actually finishing out our Perfect Tens discussion with my fourth Perfect Ten film, uh, 2004's uh, Layer Cake, which I think this, along with the uh, Stan, your pick, the host, is probably the most the more ex- uh, obscure films that we've discussed. Everything else, think? I think, has been pretty mainstream um, up until like. Yeah, like I said, The Host and now Layer Cake. I had one actual memory of knowing what this movie was before I sat down and watched it for the first time. What was that memory? Uh, it was, I don't remember what movie it was, but I remember being uh, in in the theater, I guess in, I guess in 2004, um, and this played as a trailer ahead of it, and that's all I remember about it. Um, do you remember, did the trailer like try to play up the action movie, or try to play it up like it was an action movie? I feel like a little bit. It was very vague. It did not, it did not uh, show you anything of what it really was. Because this movie stars a pre-James Bond, Daniel Craig. That's what I was going to ask if this was pre- was pre- It was 2004, yeah. Yeah, this is the film that got him noticed. Uh, at, to, into the running. Yeah, into the running as uh, Bond. So it makes it, like, the aftermath of the marketing for this is very interesting because it was a, like a moderate hit in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it, was, it really did well here in America at all until uh, Daniel Craig got cast as James Bond. and Matthew then, Vaughn got kick-ass? Is that- well, that was a few years later. But I, I saw this movie solely because I had seen Casino Royale, loved it, and then was walking around a blockbuster one day, which is a very old fashioned sentence to say. <laughs> and I saw the cover of this of layer cake, which it was completely different than like any of the UK releases. For some reason they had changed the a in layer to a four yeah, and the E in cake to a three and <laughs> the cover they photoshopped, uh, Daniel Craig's character, Mr. X, wearing one of his nice suits, but they photoshopped that gun into his hand so that he's holding it like James Bond. <laughs> and then behind him... The gun he hates to have? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's a very unbond character in this right. movie. And then behind him on the DVD cover, they've got Sienna Miller in her lingerie from that, uh, that hotel scene. And that's it. That's the cover of the DVD. That, okay, that might be in the extras because, I, like I said, I, I borrowed your DVD to watch this, mm-hmm. and they have it. They had a what was essentially was a, a a movie poster gallery of all the different posters. Uh, most of them were not that. Most of them had uh, some form of the the mirror scene where he's at the at his sink mirror sink and it's right. reflecting across. Well, with this being uh, one of the more obscure picks uh, that we've gotten this year, I, I want to talk briefly about the plot in case because I, I'm just operating on the assumption that most people probably haven't seen this film. No, um, it is currently, as of December 2022, uh, streaming on Hulu and Freevee through Amazon Prime. I'd go for Hulu ads. if you're looking to stream. Yeah, if you're going to stream it, watch it on Hulu. The ads in Freevee are. Ridiculous. It, ridiculous, incredibly frustrating. The ads will pop up in the middle of lines. Before we started recording, I said the, the algorithm has completely destroyed the art of the TV edit. Right. They, they're, they're not placed in an organic point where it seems natural for an ad to dip in. It just starts. And YouTube is one of the worst offenders. Yeah. It, and like Snatch, there's such a rhythm to Layer Cake mm-hmm. um, that the freebie ad placement really does work against the flow mm-hmm. even though it's in sections and at the end of scenes maybe so it's like maybe not totally destroying a rhythm but but it does it really chops it into, does yeah 
Uh, so Layer Cake stars Daniel Craig as the protagonist, unnamed protagonist. Quadruple X. Which, which th- that, that little bit uh, worked on me because I really I didn't realize he was unnamed until the end. Right. When they do that little meta thing. Um, the credits refer to him as Mr. Quadruple X. Yeah. For the purposes of this podcast, we're just going to call him Mr. X. Um, but he is a basically middle level cocaine dealer. He deals in kilos and, uh, which he hilariously tries to justify at the beginning of the movie. Right. Um, he doesn't deal to, you know, low level or he, he distributes to dealers, not on the street level and low amounts. Um, and so he has been socking his money away for an early retirement. And we know how well, you know, <laughs> early retirement works for movie protagonists. Basically, he, t- he treats it like a business and he's about the only person who does. Because he's, right. he's treating it like, I'm going to do this, get my money and get out. Right. Um, which was amusing to me uh, watching this in the context of 2022. Because his retirement plan is to cash out a million dollars or a million pounds. Uh which I'm sure, like by twenty by two thousand four standards, it's like yeah, a million dollars, a nice round number to retire on. But and, now, in, and in pounds, it's even higher than like, you know American dollars. Right at that time, like two million. Right <clears throat> now, living in a world of Musk's and Bezos's, a uh, million dollars is nothing to scoff at. But still, um, the drug trade in twenty twenty two should have netted him a lot more than a million dollars. Oh yeah, but it. Very much a product of his time. Um, but he does have other people he pays, though, and, and he's yeah. really good at... Um, he's a really great boss because... Well, yeah, he runs it like a proper business. Yeah. You pay your people what they're owed so they do their job for you. Yeah. And he, and he uh, as far as we know, none of his employees take off the top you know, or skim off the product, and he, do, he definitely doesn't skim off the product, so the idea that he's getting what he needs. So at that time, with the, with the fact that he was paying people... To retire him with a million dollars is, you know, a million pounds is still. And it's uh, especially funny because the plot of the film sees him hemorrhaging money, mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to pay people. Um, the what happens afterwards? The plot of the film is just a, a train wreck, honestly, of other people's schemes fucking with his retirement mm-hmm. plan. He gets hired, or he gets strongly asked by who is essentially his boss uh this gangster named jimmy uh to locate an associate's daughter who has gone missing at the same time there's a group of wannabe thugs and gangsters who have ripped off serbian war criminals for a million hits of ecstasy well they don't know that if they all all they know is like he's supposed to be coming back with you know uh, a a batch of drugs to, to, to sell to sell to pad it um, so Mr. X is supposed to navigate the sell, the sale yep. of these million tabs of ecstasy, um, but has now uh, earned the ire of Serbian war criminals. He's a middle manager in the business of crime. Right. Um, it turns out the person whose daughter he was hired to find is another big time gangster named Eddie Temple, played by fucking Michael Gambon, who's yeah. just... This was this, this was movie. like the first thing, like the last thing people knew him from before he replaced as Dumbledore. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's just there. There are a lot of plot threads in this movie that come together to conspire against Mr. X, who just wanted to run a business and retire. Yeah, he's a bigger gangster, but he's more or less like more white collar than, mm-hmm. than everyone else. Yep. Um, and I know I could have checked, you know, uh, media for this, but um. <clears throat> The uh, actor that played Jimmy reminded me a lot of Bricktop. Um, are, they're they're not the same folk. No, no, no. Uh-uh. no uh, but they're, no. Bricktop is Alan Ford. I'm not sure the actor who plays yeah. uh, Jimmy Price. It, I think it's Jimmy Price. And I will say overall, if you're looking for, a, I, I see why this this snuck its way in with with Snatch. Um, I was going to say because if you were looking for a vibe for this movie, it's um, what if Snatch was more cynical and depressed? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't do this on purpose, but no, when no. I picked my films, I picked two 80s cult classics and yeah. two British crime films, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll talk about later. Like I, I spent the last year 
thinking about changing up my list, uh, like Ghostbusters and RoboCop were always going to be on it. But these last two slots, I was like, oh, two British crime films. I love them. They're perfect tens. But are we going to discuss them? But yeah, in the end, I just went with my initial well, it's instinct. Like, I mean, that's it's like fair. you're doing old boy and, and the, the host. host, you know, so it's like, you know, if you're here, you're probably chances are you haven't seen those and in the Korean form. So, right. I mean, you know, despite yourself, your taste snuck in. So it's true. There was a point I watched this with Katie the other night and there was a point during the movie. She's like, I, I get why you like this and why you picked this. This is a oh, yeah. quintessentially you movie. It's very, it, it, it has aspects of like detective noir. It's a gangster film. Um, and it's craftily written. It's very like the, the script alone is perfect. The script, in my opinion, is a perfect 10 mm-hmm. as and that's why i was that was that is why i, oh, I, I do, made the comment about sorry, jump and say, jimmy price was so. played by kenneth cranham kenneth cranham who yeah. is still working to this day nice good for him yeah um so we've discussed the plot briefly since again like i said because this is one of the more obscure ones i want to just start with uh, your general thoughts on the film as a whole before we actually get into discussion topics so let's start with stan what were your general thoughts about the movie well i had seen this I had seen this uh, because it's a Matthew it's Matthew Vaughn's uh, breakthrough film, mm-hmm. um, and I'd seen it because I was a huge fan of his work on Kick Ass, and so I wanted to see early stuff. And then also um, knowing that he was also connected to the Guy Ritchie stuff, you know, uh, uh, well Snatch he produced Snatch, and but he also did he was also involved with like Revolver and. And uh, rock and roll and stuff like that. So the, the idea that he's in that brand. So, so it was always like, oh, so he did the Guy Ritchie stuff that I like. So he's got to be halfway decent in the sense of what he's going to do. So I saw this after I saw Kick-Ass for the first time and uh, uh, discovered him and what he does. And uh, always thought this was like high echelon of the the, the contemporary British um, gangster films, the the rock roll is the guy Ritchie stuff. And mm-hmm. then, um, and it, and it's pretty much just guy Ritchie and Matthew Vaughn, I think <laughs> for, right. for that style of stuff. And now they like since the seventies. Yeah. British crime film is kind of a genre that died out after, uh, like the friends of Eddie Coyle. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the Michael Caine stuff, uh, get Carter's and stuff like that. Mike uh, cocaine, Mike cocaine. Um, but this, this remind, and both this and snatch and, and I told you, it's like, I had a, huge distaste for the idea of seeing snatch the first time because I you was hate not, guy Ritchie. i hate guy Ritchie because he married madonna well <laughs> did they get married i thought yeah they were, yeah no they were i guess married. they were married um but the idea that his american stuff sucks but uh his uh british it turns out his british stuff is pretty good yeah um and uh so it's like I said, it's like layer cake. It's like, oh, yeah, layer cake. I'll see that again. And it's a heartbeat. But then um, as I'm watching it, I'm like, wow, I dug Snatch better, you know, oh, really? a, a lot, a lot more. And then I'm going to say one more time the idea that a lot of the writing was snipped in the bud by the commercial placements, you know, so it's like I, I lost the flow that I had with Snatch, you know, so it's like. But the thing with these films, with the Guy Ritchie stuff and the Matthew Vaughn stuff they definitely started with the writing. Oh, yeah. And they circled everything around to the writing and the craft of the writing of these films and the noir aspects and what they were paying. And even though they have cell phones and it's supposed to be contemporary, it's very late 60s, early 70s hits and motifs and <clears throat> right you could replace the cell phones and layer cakes with phone layer cake with phone booths and it would still be the same film because they even seem they still seem lost and thing even though they have cell phones and can do instant connections it still seems like it's really hard to make a connection even with cell phones and and that's what i like about this style of of uh detective fiction is because it wasn't easy to get hold of who you needed to get a hold of you know mm-hmm. and uh so yeah it's like um as i'm watching it i'm like oh yeah and chris said it earlier about this being a very non-bondian performance for oh, daniel yeah. craig and it's like the total um again he's the put upon guy just trying trying to do he's a weasel he, he's a weasel but the, the thing is he's he's in 
he's a fairly decent honorable weasel no. and um you can you can be you can have a beer with him and it's cool and um and the only bonian thing about this character about quadruple x is that he's that he can meet a girl Oh, and, he's, and, he's and five smooth. minutes later. Yeah, he is. Uh, Mr. X is smooth AF in this movie. But uh, it gets interrupted. That he Talk about coitus interruptus, man. It's like he's he's always until the end. Well, well that, even that, that gets interrupted. <laughs> yes. um, Chris, what are your, your general thoughts before we get started in the discussion topics? Uh, I ended up watching this because you said I have to. <laughs> and you're welcome. <laughs> no, it was... I, I know, I didn't hate it. But... Uh, it was it was a fun movie. Again, I when I said when I said I think about the vibe, it's just like that's it was it was very it's very much a darker turn than Snatch. With Snatch, there's a sense of levity, almost as though they're kind of telling like a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this one is very much. This one is very much, yeah, more hard hitting. I think, in a sense. Maybe I should have reversed these. Maybe we should have watched. Uh, maybe Snatch it, I, I mean, maybe they should have been like between one of the other films. Or any other films should have been between it. It's just one after the other is interesting, though. It, yeah. Because, again, like Snatch was earlier, and then this came afterward. So it was uh, interesting to see that progression. Yeah. But um, I think one of the things I did enjoy was yes, the writing was very good. It helped, and it, and it's very, and it's never thrown in your face how the you know the the lessons that are thrown out there about leading this life of crime uh, are very are are, are very direct. But they're very also sh- subtly shown off that uh, none of the like I said I, like I said in the group chat none of the characters are too smart to ever not fall for it mm-hmm. like you know you, you know uh, I'm just gonna say Daniel Craig because you know Mr X Mr X Daniel <laughs> Craig uh, Mr Dealer is he thinks he, he thinks he's he's playing it smart but you know there's n- there's no way you can smartly get out of it. When people are plotting, when people notice you're trying to be smart about it and decide to drag you down, mm-hmm. like Jimmy Price ultimately decides to do, yeah, or like and like Lionel decides to do. Um, that is the perfect segue because our first actual discussion topic is the gangster movie that does not make you want to be a gangster. Um, you, you watch movies like uh, Goodfellas or. Um, Casino, any of these old gangster films, and you're like, man, how cool would it be to be this kind of gangster? Like, be a fucking outlaw, have all this money and all this nice shit and everything, and no one fucks with you. Then you watch a movie like this, where it's very much like, oh, this is kind of a shitty life. Like, yeah, there's a lot of money in it, but look at the fucking people you have to deal with. And even the people you're friendly with can turn on you in an instant. Uh, exactly. And then you have to put up with shit heels like the Duke and his girlfriend, the improbably <laughs> nicknamed Slasher. Or that, her, okay, her nickname is Slasher. Yeah. And she is the least intimidating character in the entire movie. I, I the, the, the... <laughs> I really enjoyed the part during the robbery where she's got the gun on the fucking Serbians, yes. the war criminals, and the guy in charge is just slowly playing her. Yeah, leading to her accidentally killing a guy who just <laughs> a wanted garden, a, a gardener. gardener. He's just carrying his fucking plants. Um, Stan, and, you know, she she grew up to be the female lead in Shape of Water, right? I still, uh, three, four, however long ago it came out, I still have not She's seen it. I'll Oscar never know, Nina. essentially. Yeah. Nice. Never seen Fish Fucker the movie. <laughs> it's, it's really great. I've heard. I've heard. I, I do. It uh, is Del Toro. So. Yeah, I want to see it. Um, Look, if you want anyone to handle fish fucking, I, I would assume it's Del Toro. <laughs> out of all the available directors, yeah. Uh, he bro- seems to have a good grip on fantasy. Uh huh. By we- the way, go see Pinocchio. I was about- <laughs> Which, funny enough, there is a connection. The guy who plays Gaza in Layer Cake uh, plays a one of the characters it's in Pinocchio. Burn Garman, yeah, and yeah. he's really great. Who was also in uh, taking it back to last year? Yeah, last year, twenty twenty one. He was in The Dark Knight Rises, and he's oh, yeah. in the Pacific Rim. And he's in Pacific Rim. Yeah, and, he's a great actor. Right, yes, Torchwood he's a scientist. Yes, yeah. a major player. In I Torchwood. loved him, and, and him that and led Charlie him, Day. Yeah, and that led to him doing a guest spot on It's Always Sunny. Yes, yes. yeah. Burn Gorman is great. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Stan. Did did anything about this movie make you want to be a gangster? Uh, nah. 
I don't think this I've has ever been five watched. minutes aside. I, I don't know if I've ever wanted to be a gangster in this. Even watching Godfather and Goodfellas, I don't think because. But the thing is, the difference is that in Britain, you you have to go up against folks like the craze and shit like that. So it's like there's a lot more fucked up gangsterism in Britain than there is here. You know, it's it's pretty much you know, it's like um, you can only. Not everybody can be a real gangster here. You know, it's like you have to be in a certain certain mode and certain class to be a gangster here in, in the Goodfellas sense or in the Godfather sense. And but you don't really have to go up against really psychotic Serbian war criminals, Serbian war criminals, um, maybe. Maybe now, these days, but back in the classic days of The Godfather and stuff, it was pretty much, you know, you're really only killing opposing business folk. (laughs) That's one of the things I've brought up uh, the Serbian war criminal thing several times already, and we're just 20 minutes in, because I feel like that's what really elevates the tension of of this plot is... Up until the point at which you find out who the Duke robbed or stole that ecstasy from, mm-hmm. Mr. X is mostly dealing with his inside his own circle of criminals yeah, and criminal his own organizations. Network, yeah. yeah, his own network. Until you People find he out, knows how to deal with. Yeah. Until you find out that uh, the Duke stole those bills from Serbian war criminals known for beheading people. Exactly. With a super with a super scary slash tough enforcer named Dragon. Dragon. And um, that's another thing is like European gangsterism, you're not, it's not just, you know, running girls, running drugs, whatever. You're dealing with like the high level underground, um, like uh, 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 hostile type situations, you know? So this is like dark ass. If you go deep into the European crime belly, you're dealing with, you know, underground um, uh, snuff films, everything like that. Well, so it's like it. it's a total different level of crime. And um, it's also because you drive four hours like somewhere in America. You're still in America. In America yep. You drive four hours in any direction in Europe. You're 10 different cultures away from where you were. Right. Where people can just, you know, pick up the phone and say, I want I have fifteen thousand dollars. I want to buy uh two women that I can cut up, you know, so it's a Jesus. You made this, but but no, but that it's a different level of, to any of our European listeners, long walk productions apologizes for the opinions of Stan Wilson. (laughs) No, no, I think he's, he's skipping ahead. He does. They don't say on the phone, they're going to cut them. (laughs) Right. They will. Yeah. I mean, it's just implied. Uh, Chris, did anything about this movie make you want to be a gangster? No, no. Yeah. Every part of that looked completely unpleasant. Uh, any delusions my young mind had about how cool it would be to live this kind of lifestyle were dashed by watching this movie. Uh, it is very realistic in its portrayal of uh, how yeah. chaotic and insane this lifestyle would be, even if you try to run it like a, as a business like Mr. X does. And, in, and the same goes for um, it's hard to be want to be a police officer or, or um, justice official in... In, in that type of situation, if you're if you're just if you're doing that international crime stuff, it's dark shit, man. So it's yeah. like it goes both ways. It's like not many Europeans want to be police officers because of what they have to do with it. I mean, really, the two most lighthearted parts of the movie is the uh, police raid that you find out is fake later. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's that's the only little bit of levity. Which, uh, but and the other thing is the just the little toss off at the end of the scene of you have a favorite gun. Yeah. Yeah, that is. That's, a, that's do you tell the other? Uh, I hope you don't tell the other guns you have a favorite. And they, share, and they share a laugh for like the first time in the movie. Yeah, that's good bonding right there. That's the only you get. Yeah. Um, well, but, I should, and I should say that follows on the heels of one of those characters savagely beating the other because he found out about that. that that's what I, I got to talk about. Jimmy Price's death when, in a minute, but you guys go ahead. The oh. bashing of the. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, the the Did violence in this oh, movie is. Very creative and not at all like the flashy actions kind of scenes you'd see other where. Yeah. Um, 
Morty beating the shit out of Freddy at the diner. Yes. Starting with smashing. And, and you find out why later, but you, why? And it just happens. I'm going to have to leave for a few days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How about 10? Ten? 10's a nice <laughs> round number as he's tossing money at the people, at the guy he's about to beat yeah. half to death. Yeah, smashes a glass ketchup bottle across his head, beats and kicks the shit out of him. Pours an <clears throat> entire kettle of tea on him. Hot yes, tea. boiling hot tea over the man's face. And it's filmed from oh. Freddy's point of view. Yes. And, and, he, and you find out why later. He took a major fall because he was black because they were hiding, helping to hide a body and his old friend fucked up majorly. Yeah. Um, and it's even funnier <clears throat> that happens considering he just just prior, like the last interaction he has with uh, with with our dealer main character is he's telling him it's like you it's like you, you have to be smooth and run this like a business and you can't deal with gangster characters like uh-huh. that and then he just loses his shit yeah and then the other big one is uh like stan brought up when gene beats the shit out of mr x by opening up his freezer and slamming his face we don't see what the inside of the contents are but we can assume we find out later it's the duke well yeah that's what i was gonna ask well, was it the same freezer yes, that it no, was? no it wasn't he, really okay no uh gene, that was his fish freezer then yes gene has two freezers in his shed yeah one for his fish and one for the dead bodies <laughs> so and, and the precursor to this is the last time you're in that room uh, he's gutting a fish. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. <clears throat> so he was getting, he w- Gene was smashing Mr. X's face against what I'm assuming are blocks of frozen ice ah, and, and frozen, and fish, frozen yeah. fish. Yes. Um, Mr. X's face afterwards, I love the special effects because he is, his face is fucked up. Uh, yeah. He's, he's fucked up, slumped on the floor, crying. Yes. Which, I mean, I would be too. They make up like and right afterwards, but the idea because that- be- Only because uh, Mr. X is able to prove the right. reason he killed Jimmy Price is because he was ratting them out. Right. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I love about the plot of this is they don't rely on the poor communication kills aspect too no. badly. Because any other movie, like Mr. X would either not get a chance to explain or he would get the chance and then for some reason just not and so after the movie, you'd be like, well, why the fuck didn't he just tell him what happened? Well, that's, that's what this movie does. That is the clearest moment because I, I, I understand that Jimmy Price probably wouldn't have cared, but he doesn't really take a moment to say, hey, he stole from Serbian war, war criminals. Right. Uh, but that's, that, but that, that's, that's following, that's Gene, who I should point out is played by Cole Meany, last, most, yes. known, most well known for being uh, O'Brien from, from Star Trek. Yes, uh, absolutely terrifying in this yeah. movie. And um, he is. He, he is. And uh, that, that's because he's, he's Jimmy Price's enforcer. And the reason he's beating Mr. X uh, is because he found out, you know, he's the, he, he figured out that Mr. X killed Jimmy Price, which he does. For, interestingly enough, that's set up that it, at first, that, that whole scene where he finally decides to kill Jimmy after getting sold out. Um, it really seems like it's a dream sequence at first. Kind like of, yeah. Like he's just imagining it, but no, it's like it's real. And what really, really does and sets it off is, like, um, it's the point where he goes to pop Jimmy Price in his garden, and Jimmy has his head turned because he's watering a plant late at night, uh, and he hesitates to shoot, and then Jimmy t- realizes someone's behind him, turns around, and he gets to look Jimmy dead in the eyes, and there's just all the sound drops out, and there's just a very silent pop. Yep. As he kills him, and then there's a pause, and then he runs away. And it's almost comedic in the sense of, like, uh, it was a real stutter to it. And then he goes... He actually home. even drops, lowers the gun yeah. when uh, Jimmy turns around and... And he pulls it back up They have a moment, him. oh, is this going to happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he brings up the gun again, and, and like he said, in the, in the total silence, okay. no sound. In the- and I believe it's like <clears throat> having to look him in the eyes is what really messes him up. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the the montage afterwards I think is absolutely brilliant because Mr. X goes home, starts pounding scotch and taking some kind of pill. Um, Either I, I don't think it's like, maybe it's like uh, I don't know aspirin or something, but something something that. Oh, I thought it was anti, uh, like antidepressant. Something like that. Something the, the downer. Just, yeah, some kind of downer because he's crushing them up and putting them in his so, scotch so, so that it will hit his bloodstream quicker because yeah. he clearly cannot sleep. The the transitions in this movie are brilliant, uh, but especially like the the repeated jump cuts of him looking in his mirror while he's that drunk was, and yeah that was the the movie poster i guess 
in UK and Europe was the the cascading reflections. Yeah, until the last one where he closes his medicine cabinet and he's dressed pristinely in his three er, in his nice suit, mm-hmm. which the only other Bond <clears throat> moment. Right, no one can wear a suit like Daniel Craig. He, can. he can wear a suit, man. I I totally agree with you. That I mean, he can. He has the body type where every suit just fits around and he's got all the angles that needs to be set up it, 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 he's a great suit wearer yes well that's what happens when you're a uh, big time <laughs> cocaine dealer who can afford a nice british tailor <laughs> or james bond or james bond um which is sort of the same thing it um, is. <laughs> so we've we've we talked. have to apologize to james bond now no he's no, not no. a drug dealer no. i'm not apologizing <laughs> that means some terrible things ian fleming i'm no. not apologizing to mi6 <laughs> Um, We've talked about uh, the plot of this movie and how crazy it gets. It starts with Mr. X just wanting to cash out and retire. He gets asked to find an associate's daughter. He finds out about the million tabs of ecstasy. He has to hire two con men from Liverpool to help find the daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, We never find the daughter, do we? No, he never does. (laughs) Um, I assume, you know, the Lionel, because when the businessman that he he, he thinks he's finding, the, the man's daughter he thinks he's finding, takes him hostage and explains that he's been used as a patsy to get bargaining, to find her as a bargaining tool. Right. Um, I think pretty sure, I'm pretty sure he had a handle on where she was. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cause at the end she's sent to a treatment center in Arizona. That's yeah. right. That's right. That, yeah, that's true. I yeah, forgot about right. that. Um, but anyway, yeah, Mr. X, um, he, he meets the nephew of the Duke, the guy who stole the pills through him. He meets the, uh, ben Wyshaw. Yep. Ben Wyshaw meets uh, his girlfriend, played by Sienna Miller, gets kidnapped by Eddie Temple. Gets It just gets progressively more complicated. The amount of associates that Mr. X has in this movie, because that's not even t- uh, talking about Trevor and Shanks, the other two <laughs> uh, gangsters he's trying to sell the ecstasy to. Mm-hmm. Um, so my question... If, if anybody wanted, me be, wanted to be a gangster, made me want to be a gangster in this movie... Uh, it would have been them, I think. Trevor and Shanks. Trevor and Shanks, I think, were two of the Look, cooler. Life just went on that. for them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love the that pairing because, like, they're the ultimate George and Lenny. Mm-hmm. Trevor is very quiet and composed. Unbothered, yep. Uh, completely unbothered, whereas Trevor is the shaky Fidgeting, one. Of, oh, yeah. Fidgety, prone to shouting one of the two. I, I probably, uh, Morty... Uh, was a good gangster, I thought. It, it, you know, he was a great gangster, and up to and, and including beating, beating the be- shit out of a man with a and Tom Hardy. Yes, a very. That's how I got Katie to watch this with me. I was like, it's got Tom Hardy in it. <laughs> oh, I'm interested. He says three in a words. Very, uh, very early role that he's not in, in a very there small a whole role. Lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's great in he's it. He's great yeah. when he's there. And when when at the end when he's, uh, you know, okay, thanks for making me the leader, but. I'm I'm leaving, and uh, the whole the, the goodbye toast. Yeah. Yeah. The king is dead. Long live the king! And then they do. He does his. Uh, toast I mean, that's just the whole of, whole of uh, Mr. X's character. It's just like uh, he thinks he's managed to stay above this in uh-huh. a way, but then it's just the whole movie just shows how inextricably pulled down into it he's been. I think the character I feel worse for. We're getting we're getting off topic, but this just just reminded me. Uh, uh, his Mr. X's fourth associate. Terry, the poor guy who has to stake out uh, oh, yeah, him. Yeah. the Duke's uh, warehouse for it's implied like three or four straight days he keeps an eye on this place. Yeah, he said he said day is like you stay on a day and night. It was like, night. He's like, I've already been here all day. He's like, day and night. I was like, but I. <laughs> yeah, poor, poor Terry. But anyway. So what, the, about the, <clears throat> what about the uh, hitman that came down to help him against that Dragon? Was, uh, oh, Mr. Lucky, the Mr. one that Lucky and, and Trevor and Shanks didn't even like to begin with. Yeah, Trevor and Shanks, yeah, he was their friend who was always on headphones, and you find out during the car ride, oh, it's because he's trying to learn French. French. <laughs> yeah, he's got a test next week. It's like Dra- and, Dragon <clears throat> is just like, Totally. I mean, I've been watching. I've been watching, and totally takes out Lucky like nobody's business. And it's like, okay, that's that's a gangster. That, the, yeah, that, and one of the most legitimately scary characters who you don't even see his face until the last two minutes of the film. Oh yeah, it's like, just a young guy. Again, it's just that one of those moments where where Mr. X realizes, oh, I'm not smarter than this. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so with all of that said, um, you know, rival gangs, Serbian war criminals, million tabs of ecstasy, missing girls. Is the plot of the film too complicated, did you think? Let's start with Chris this time. I don't think so. 
I, I don't think so. Just, I mean, again, like there were a couple of things that surprised me, but then again, once I thought about it, it's like, oh, it's because I wasn't paying as close attention as I could have been. But on a casual view, it pretty, it sank in pretty well for me. Now, I mean, it depends from person to person how much they're going to get, how much thought they're going to give it beyond, um, oh, wow, cool stuff happening. But Right. Uh, Stan, what about you? Is the plot I, too complicated? I, don't, I, I, I wouldn't say that um, because if there's a moment they end up explaining it somehow, whether it's a voiceover or they um, retread a moment and, and, and you're caught right back up. You know what's even more difficult? Snatch may have had more because you had to like, okay, that happened there. But, but I, I'm telling you, I just saw Bullet Train. And that had moments where you had to like, okay, I need to see how this fits together. Connect the dots. And connect yeah. the dots <clears throat> and, and in a much more stra- strong way than you have to in, in Layer Cake, I believe. So. Sorry, I'll give you the best connect the dots moment that when I, when I thought about and realized I was very, I was very pleased by was uh, in the final bit where they're trying to get the pills and they get raided by the police. Well, why, well, why did that raid happen? Well, uh, Mr. X set it up so that it scared off the other guys uh, and so they could get the pills. And it's like, well, what does that have to do? What, what about Dragon? Well, Dragon's been watching, but he doesn't know that they're fake cops. Right. You, you, you realize, oh, when, when, he, when he gives him the Duke's head and he goes, are we square? And he just leaves. It's like, okay, so he bought that those were actual police. Mm-hmm. So they, he, they're just considering, eh, those pills are gone. You're in the clear. Right. Yeah, there's nothing left to recover at this point. Right. Uh, despite uh, Mr. X's best efforts. Like, like you said, with Dragon clearly having been watching this interaction, he knows that Mr. X went there that day to get these pills, presumably for him and to square their deal. Right. And it all goes to shit. And it's not Mr. X's fault, as far as he knows. So nope. their honor is satisfied with the Duke's head. Their honor yeah. is satisfied with the Duke's head. And, and, and also... Um, Quadruple X knows that um, uh, what's-his-face is fucking with him. So at the end when he triple crosses, is it Lionel? The Eddie oh, yeah, Temple. Eddie Temple. Yeah, Eddie. Eddie Temple when um, he triple crosses them and his people get fucked up by, by um, the two guys. Uh, Trevor and Shanks. Tre- Trevor and mm-hmm. Shanks. And they get, they get the pills back. So he has his, you know, and he's able to pay off whatever debts and go and retire the way he wanted to and stuff. So, so the idea that he's had a plan, um, uh, it just took him a little while longer <laughs> than he expected. Um, but, uh, but, um, so yeah, I, I was, I was not thrown off plot wise or thrown off. Uh, the caper was what the caper should have been. Right. And, and the twists weren't, um, I don't want to say arbitrary. The twists were well, thought out and plotted so that it made sense as when they re- were revealed because there's been plenty of times when you watch a twist and something you go oh that's bullshit that's bullshit i think um if this isn't the kind of movie that you were expecting going into it i yeah. think it you, i can see how somebody would think that this plot is too complicated if mm-hmm. you thought you were just going to watch a more actiony thing <clears throat> more actiony like british caper and you show up to this i can see how you'd be confused sure yeah <coughs> To me, it, th- it's hard to watch in a lot of stuff. I mean, in the sense, um, yeah, if you go in and think, oh, this is going to be a Daniel Craig um, action movie, action movie uh, it's a lot darker than that. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and and he is not he's not the action hero you're going to be looking for because first he's he hates guns right off the bat and uh, then I, he steals one. I mean, I, I oh, he doesn't steal it. No, he's given to him by Gene. And, but Gene says before he stole it off me. And, um, well, I think that was just Gene trying to yeah. pass the buck. Yeah. And, and, and what a gun it was. It was like the whole thing was a silencer cylinder. Well, <laughs> you'll know, you know, you know, uh, Mr. X is not a gun guy because when he gets the, the like, I think it's a German Luger. It's a world war two pistol. He picks it up and he holds it and he's like, Pretending to play with it, and Gene is like, right. "Oh my God!" Point right. it up there. Well, yeah, that, the first thing he does is accidentally point it at Gene. Just point it up. Um, I'd say it's not unnecessary because it does contribute to the plot. I think the most confusing thing about the movie might be Jimmy Price's motivation. Sure. Once they get into the whole thing, and Eddie starts explaining that Jimmy got taken in by um, somebody from an African nation who was looking, who was gathering money and then the the nation got uh taken over by communists yeah. insurgents well there was a revolution and the people they were dealing with weren't in power anymore right and so um 
Eddie has that line where he's like, oh, whatever. It's just a simple half mil, right? And Jimmy has to say under his breath, like hand over his face. 13 million. Eddie's reaction where he just starts laughing at him so hard that he's wheezing <laughs> is so fantastic. Just trying to wheeze out his lines through <laughs> laughter. I love it. Um, so moving on, um, just in general, uh, favorite moments, lines, characters. Uh, we'll start again with Chris. What really stood out to you? Really stood out to me. Um, well, I will say this is this isn't a bad thing. I'm going to rag on it a little bit, but I thought it was really funny how they showed off that Jimmy Price was at the that '70s gangster thing, but they just they just cut to where he his his he was sitting in the back. But not showing him. It was just like, but it was you just, just hear his voice, voice. yeah. <laughs> uh, so that they didn't have to hire like a young yeah. Jimmy Price or a young Gene. Yeah, I think most uh, speaking speaking of most of mostly uh, most of Cole Meany's performances, Gene is is fantastic. It is great. Um, his interactions. Uh, oh, I see. I think my favorite part was uh, again illustrating how much Mister X thinks he's smart, but not smart enough to not smart enough when Dragon calls him on his cell phone for the first time and he's like, and he, you think he's going to try and meet up and, you know, have why don't act- you just come around my apartment and we'll, t- uh, we'll talk about this like adults. Do you know where I live? No. Well then fuck off. Fuck off. Yeah. Well, fuck off. Then. <laughs> Hangs up on him. Yeah, I do. I love that moment so much. It's like, Oh, that's not smart. <laughs> no. He even admits later. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm starting to regret that. <laughs> Yeah, when he, when Dragon calls him again. Yeah, <laughs> but that's before the sniper incident. <laughs> well, yeah, it's when he's talking to uh, Clarky and Terry, yeah. uh, Tom Hardy's character, and his other associate. He tells them what happened, and they call him out on it. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm I'm starting to regret that." <laughs> um, I love it. Uh, Stan, what about you? Favorite lines, moments? Characters? There, there is, there is a bunch. There really is. Um, something that is really normal for these type of movies and for movies in general is yeah, I really liked how they played with it and how Daniel Craig was just a natural person in the moment. But when he first gets to the hotel room with Sienna Miller's character and she, and she goes, patience comes after, after just inviting is like, why do we have to wait? What about lunch? And then she gets there and they're making out and it's like, what, patient uh good things come to those who wait and she goes off to get dressed and and he does this little flip off the bed you know to take off a you know and it's like this really natural you know human thing to do that um is totally not actory and it was it was really fun to watch and then he gets kidnapped <laughs> well, i think i think that's even funnier after the fact because like you said people notice this movie more because he became james bond and then for him to have this really unbond moment of i'm gonna get some yes yes uh, that's yeah. exactly what it was uh, and, yeah i love that because he really hard um, the brilliant thing about that scene is uh, the ostensibly the entire reason he set up this meeting was to find out where Sydney's at. Yeah, because right. Because Sydney can lead right. him to the Duke. It just happens to work out in his favor, and then not in his favor. Ultimately, <laughs> that he's like Sydney's. Yeah. yeah, Sydney's or not Sydney. Um, Tammy, Santa Miller's character. Tammy's good to go. She yeah. wanted him from the second she saw him. Yeah. Uh, so he gets the information he needs, and he's probably thinks he's going to get laid i love it to make that phone call after she goes in the bathroom he flips over on his stomach <laughs> he's laying there on the edge of the bed with his phone to his ear <laughs> and then the poor guy gets kidnapped you know that that yellow blah blah but yeah it, it, it was just it was just so i mean it's, it's so in place for any regular movie you know and then um but just in the, this juxtaposition in this type of film and then just the naturalness of Daniel Craig just being Daniel Craig. And like, like Chris said, oh, I'm going to get some. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so um, stuff like that that didn't play as a normal gang, you know, British gangster film or film noir or whatever, um, that was really cool for me. And, and the, fact that, the fact that Sienna Miller's character doesn't get mad at him and make him go through all this whole thing of, you know, making it up to her for, you know, just leaving. And cause at the end they're on their way to do whatever, you know, it's like, but, but the idea that they end up together, you know, is really cool. And she didn't make him work for it after that, but well, was, she didn't make him work for it to start with. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, I lo- but, but I did. I just love the naturalness of it. Yeah. Um, I watched this with Katie the other night and when 
she walks out of the bathroom in that really like fancy, expensive lingerie, and mm-hmm. he's not there. Kitty was like, "Oh, I feel so bad for her. She, <laughs> know, she's, what, she bought that really nice lingerie, and she got all dolled up. That's what she bought she, for yeah. lunch. And she, <laughs> and she probably thinks that he just like left her there. Well, that that is it's 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 a small comedic beat, and at the same time, there is that feeling before you cut away. Oh, right, Daniel Craig's in danger. Right. <laughs> right. Um, That's exactly. There were two well, other things yeah, I wanted to touch great. on. One, I like. Speaking to it earlier, like the, I love the whole juxtaposition of his character, where in the where he where he essentially gets to be an unreliable narrator the whole movie because he's talking about how he tries to keep things neat and put together, right. and then you see him betray his real character when he's put to the test and and these various situations, mm-hmm. uh, and then the ending I thought was very well done because they told you that now I went and looked in the the extras and there are two alternate versions of the ending. There's one where he and Sienna Miller's character just drive away. Mm-hmm. And there's another where they drive, where it's sort of shades of the real, the ending they went with, they drive away and then uh, the nephew, the Duke's nephew is following them mm-hmm. to get his revenge, which he does get in the actual ending. Yeah. Because they, they, you, they make you think, oh, he's, he is going to drive away and he's going to have this meta moment. And again, they, the nice reveal is like, oh, you, I didn't even tell you my real name. You never even knew my name throughout this whole thing. And then, and he turns back from the camera and gets shot to death by the Duke's nephew. Yeah, which is apparently how British audiences wanted it. Yeah. Because the um, the driving away into the sunset ending was like the more American yeah. happy ending type of thing yeah. that British audiences didn't like. And then they shot they showed them the ending with him getting shot and killed. And British audiences were like, <laughs> yes. yes, that's the ending we prefer. It's thematically appropriate for it. It is, it is thematically yeah. appropriate, yeah. totally. Because I watched that driveway ending and it was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's anticlimactic. And I mean, and, and then, then of course the, the, oh, maybe there'll be a sequel ending where the, the Duke's nephew just follows him. Right. And it's, but yeah, no, him, at, well, it's, what makes that ending even better is he's bleeding out. And there's, you know, there's, no, there's a chance he could not die. But then you also think about the fact of when the other guy offed himself in that flashback, Gene's car- Gene, Gene says, well, you weren't going to call cops. We were a bunch of gangsters. You know, we can't have cops coming around here. So, and that thought was immediately in my head. There's like, no one's going to call cops to come around, look at the country club where the gangsters come to. Yeah, I'd say the mitigating factor there is that it's a nice country club and not like a and 70s I, underground disco. I thought about that too. But again, I mean, you know, cops would be there and would have pretense to nose around. You know? Right, exactly. Ask all, that's too many questions. And, and the fact that um, uh, uh, Ben Weishaw's character goes, I'm sorry, yeah. but I had to do this. You know, that's... This was my job at the moment. Yeah, even know. he couldn't rise above <laughs> right, like exactly. his, who he thought that he was, like this gangster lifestyle. Um, I have more favorites. <laughs> oh, by all means, go ahead. <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, um, I, really, I really liked um, uh, the guy who beats Larry up. Morty. Morty. Uh, mm-hmm. Morty's, I think he was my favorite of, the, of, that, of, of Daniel Craig's group. Um, even though I love Tom Hardy's a little bit, but he didn't do enough to make me just like, right. but Morty, I loved, um, totally loved, uh, uh, comb, Gene. uh, Eugene, uh, Cole Meany. uh, genies, uh, genies, uh, I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> Cole Meany's gene. <laughs> Cole Meany's gene. Um, uh, mean gene. loved it. Um, and my, one of my favorite moments was the. Gene beating of Mr. X over the over the ice chest, um, I thought was first of all the staging of the stunt, brilliant. The uh, filming of the stunt, brilliant. Um, perfect moments where they cut away back to Gene, so you know what's ever happening there can be done, and then back to and then when they finally throws him off, and Daniel Craig did, and, and he just like. Oh shit! I gotta explain this. It's like it's the most I, graphic thing you see in the movie. It's the most graphic thing you see in the movie, and then it's also so pertinent to what happens next because he has to stop this, and and he totally understands where Gene is coming from. So there is none of this. You know, it's like, why did you beat me up? It's like, this is the life I chose. So it's like, and I killed him. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I'm gonna have to stand some retribution. But they, but they go and they do it, and. Even the, and and I really think they're friends. Him and Gene are friends. And but the thing is, Gene still has that moment when Mr. X is going off to do whatever, and he says, 
if you cross me again, I will kill you. you oh know? yeah. No. Uh, so there was there, the, the understanding was still there and it was an honorable understanding. And it's like, but, at, but I still believe that their friendship was strong and tight. Yeah. You know, and stuff like that in the movie all throughout, I think it, it, it kept it so grounded and there was a sense of, uh, of family or a sense of brotherhood in, in there that kept so many of these honor among thieves, honor among thieves that kept these relationships really strong and powerful. I think, uh, the other thing I really liked was cause I'm, I did actually not catch it until, uh, Mr. X brought it up was who really killed the Duke? Uh, because oh, that, yeah. that, that little twist is like, you don't, cause again, I didn't catch it that, you know, dragon asked, he wanted the Duke and the pills. And I was like, well, wait, didn't he already kill the Duke? No, he didn't. It turns out Gene did it with just like he killed, um, uh, crazy Larry, Yep, which has one of the best cutaway moments in the film, because as this explained, crazy Larry used to be the person running the gang that, uh, Gene and Morty and Jimmy Price ran with, um, but he had a penchant for uh, raping young men and sometimes killing young men, mm-hmm. but insisted that he wasn't gay, <laughs> leading to the cutaway where the actor playing, where, where Crazy Larry looks directly into the camera and says, fucking females is for poofs. Yep. <laughs> Like what the fuck? I'm so what ma- kind of I'm weird? so manly. I only fuck dudes. Yeah, like what kind of weird cocaine energy is that? I, I would see, I could see him twisting it as a power move. Basically. Right, right. Yeah, like you said, I'm too manly to fuck women. What? But <laughs> you know, it goes the, in. It's like how much time did he spend in prison before all this? You know, it's like uh, so well, it's no, like, it's that's a, another that's can of worms. Now here you that's go. Here you go. It's like I'm too manly to fuck women because you know what women do? They take dick. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah 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 god <laughs> fucking fucking but um cocaine logic yeah. also a, another random aside i really love the look of that actor who played gene second in the scene well you see him a couple times oh you see, yeah you his see driver him. and his yeah uh, his driver you the guy who helps off slasher and duke the casual way like a slasher is ranting about going to the cops and yeah. then gets shot in the head and it cuts over to gene and his number two who's just Casually standing there, holding a gun, no yeah. expression on his face. Oh yeah, and you see it when he, when after he, after, right before he kills the Duke, because it's like you saw Gene gives him the signal that he obviously gave about Slasher, which was just a, a kind of nod slash side glance, and it's just boom, boom, right in Duke's chest. Yeah. Uh, now, see, out of everything about being a gangster. Uh, I, I think having a number two who will just casually shoot people for me is that's the thing cool. I want. Yeah, yeah, that part I can get behind. Give me a number two who will just—he doesn't say shit and he gets stuff done. I mean, that's exactly yeah. and, and efficiently. Yeah, for the most part. Um, me personally, like they have such minor but important roles in the movie. Uh, I love Cody and Tiptoes. Cody and Tiptoes are great. The mm-hmm. two Liverpool con oh, artists yeah. Yeah. who are shockingly good at what they do. Oh yeah. They track- they, they they seem like a bunch of a couple of louses because they when they go to talk to Mr. X he's like so, wait, who am I tonight? Right. And then they find like within like less than 24 hours they find the daughter's boyfriend. Mhm. Uh, no explanation how, really. Uh, they're just like, oh, well, we know the drug dealers to talk to around here. Boom. They found her boyfriend and figured out, uh, five minutes later, figure out where she fucked off to. And then at the end, they lead the fake drug raid, leading yes. to Cody getting yes. out of a, a, a <laughs> car, wearing that wonderful fake mustache, uh-huh. pretending to be a police captain. They were great. Yeah. They're, they're, hmm. uh, along with um, Shanks and um, Trevor. Trevor and Shanks, Yeah. The they should have. They sh- those four should have a movie together. Yeah, the I spinoff: think. Cody and Tiptoes, Trevor and Shanks. I think um, it's great. It, as far as lines go, um, it, the the lines uh, may not be as memorable as some of the ones like in uh, Snatch, but Michael Gambon's layer cake speech at yes. the end. Yeah. Because there was a point where Katie asked me, why is this called layer cake? And I was like, oh, just wait. <laughs> Michael Gambon has a beautiful speech, a monologue about why this movie is called Layer Cake. But the, my favorite in the whole movie isn't necessarily the line itself, but it's the delivery. And this has stuck with me since I saw it. Uh, towards the end of the film, when he's summing up, when Mr. X is summing up his plan, 
He says, did I really think that Eddie Temple was going to give me $3 million for those pills? Did I fuck? <laughs> and I don't know why, but just it's in a voiceover narration, but just the delivery of did I fuck? I love that so much. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. I never heard that phrase before. I don't know if it is a British ism or what, uh, but just that way of like, what do you think I'm up uh, I'm a fucking idiot. Like just that expression itself has stuck with me and I still use it. Either that or that, or that feeling of like, are, were you born yesterday? I was like, right. Did I fuck? I love it. Um, and then I, I enjoyed his little quip about not even the drug dealers working on the weekend. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Um, everything, you know, about veteran gentleman gangster, Eddie Temple, is bro- oh when they're when they're trying to have small talk in Eddie's library, which is honestly goals. You yeah. enter into it through a fake wall, mm-hmm. and then he's got a ladder in a second floor of his library. When they're going back and forth, how is Faust? How's your family? What is this? A fucking Vickers tea party? <laughs> <laughs> I also that's I also, something else I need to add to my repertoire. Yeah. What is this? A Vickers tea party? <laughs> I also I also enjoyed the you know I also appreciated the metaphor of the layer cake because he's. He's basically telling you, like, if you're not on top, you're stuck in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Or you're on the bottom. You're on, yeah, you're on some layer of it that's not as good as the top. Yeah. Um, so that is it. That rounds out my uh, perfect ten films. That was four for each of us. We've gone from Lord of the Rings to Layer Cake. Um, <laughs> so true. my last question as we wrap up is... Um, <clears throat> What were some of your honorable mentions? What did you consider for your perfect 10 picks that just didn't uh, make it in there? Because I think you guys know, uh, I I was considering changing. What almost made the list, because you almost did actually change Yeah, I was considering changing my list all the way up until the last minute uh, when I finally just said fuck it and went with one. Um, We talked about it already because of Daniel Craig, but Casino Royale was one that I almost considered in place of this or just due to back-to-back Daniel Craig films. Uh, it's the perfect Bond film. I love it. That and Skyfall are the best of the Craig uh, era Bond films. Um, there was a point where I almost changed it up till we talked about uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Mm. And then um, taking it back to the 80s once again, we almost talked about Back to the Future and Back to the Future Part 2. <laughs> Um, but one of the caveats when I picked this for this year was that we couldn't talk about something that we'd already talked about, which excluded my two favorite movies, Pulp Fiction and Memento, which had, you know, there not been that caveat or how we, had we not talked about them before, those are two that we definitely would have discussed. Uh, Chris, what were your honorable mentions? Uh, there were, there were a total of five. I sat down with that. I'm sure I've mentioned them before. Uh, I would have put airplane on the list. Ah, nice. Um, Airplane in the stead of, I mean, that would have been the excuse to talk about a bunch of other different, you know, spoof films, uh, because there's, I could, I could easily have done just a, a small selection of just spoof films that I love, because that's, yeah. a, it's a, it's a good genre that unfortunately got murdered by Seltzer and Friedberg and other watered down versions. Um, I almost, I almost put Super Troopers on there. I, there, there is nothing I, I hold so dear as, as. I think I mentioned during the Clue one, which is uh, ensemble comedies. Uh-huh. A good ensemble comedy is uh, just brilliant. Um, I almost put, and it would have been timely, what with the Criterion Collection coming out that came out, uh, Wally. Oh yeah. Wally, I think I've said before on here. I was shocked that that did not end up being one of the ones we discussed. Almost, it it was almost there, but I I like I I connected better with the Wreck It Ralph themes more more although i really deeply personally love wally um all, i mean it, it, since i decided to do christmas in july it could have either been christmas vacation or muppet christmas carol nice uh one of the one of the it's been said one of the more shockingly uh faithful adaptations of the story and featuring michael Caine acting the shit out of it right yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and the other the other one i would have put on there uh, is my other favorite spoof of all time Spaceballs. nice um, Stan, did you have any honorable mentions? Uh, and we've talked about this. Um, several of the films that have in, in, influenced me forever, I didn't include uh, because I wanted to include my Korean influence. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't have Taxi Driver or um, or any of the Scorsese films that I that I grew up with. Uh, mean Streets, Raging Bull, uh, none of those made it. Um, uh, animation stuff, um, 
I would have loved to have talked about uh, how I cried in the theater during Beauty and the Beast and or the death of Bambi's mom and Bambi. Uh, that would have been... All right, I've, those two films would have been great. I've finally um, done it. I've spent the last few weeks trying to come up with a theme for next year's The Long Walk Talks, <laughs> and now it's going to be 12 months of things that made Stan cry. <laughs> oh, so we're watching... We, we could so, do 12 movies of that. So we're so. watching Detective Pikachu 12 times? <laughs> and then... That's right. I didn't, we didn't talk about Detective Pikachu, which is one of my new all-time favorites. You're welcome. That's because of Chris, man. Uh, if you haven't seen Detective Pikachu, Thank, you well, have to see Detective Pikachu. Um, it's it's just amazing on all fronts. Detective Pikachu, I choose you. <laughs> Stan um, chooses you. And then um, the uh, we didn't uh, and again we didn't because uh, we may well, no we didn't talk about it did we? Uh, but once a t- once upon a time in Hollywood. Uh, well, we talked about it as part of the Tarantino discussion. Did we get? Yes. Was yeah. that included? Yeah, yes, you did. Yeah. I guess it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but uh, That would have been December of 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Um, two years on? ago. What else was going on then? That we... I don't know. It was <laughs> There was a lot going on, I feel like, in 2020. Did we? We yes, did. Yes, we did. Did we meet in 2020? Yes. 2020 was the year of Tarantino. So we tw- we, we figured out a way to... See, this is what I'm struggling with is, um, you know, we've done three years of themes now. 2020 was the year of Tarantino. 21, we did Kevin Smith and Christopher Nolan because I wanted to pick two very opposite directors. And then this year, 22, was we each picked four films that we considered a perfect 10. I'm considering not doing a theme next year and just making it a free-for-all like we started with. But how do you guys feel about a free-for-all? I mean, we could talk about something other than movies. Oh, yeah, that's right. I guess we could. <laughs> we could do like we did the, that first year or two where we split it up, you know, part movies, part video games, part TV shows and stuff like that. Right. So we could go back to that. But, um, but if we just talked about movies. Oh, that's right. 2019 all. was a themed year, too, because that was the end of uh, the decade. Yes. Yeah, we did the yes. decade retrospectives. Yeah. yeah. Um, we could go back to that. We argued about what constitutes a decade. <laughs> Um, I still won, um, but uh, but no, um, the liar. <laughs> there's um, just honorable mention wise, um, just the, and and it's funny how how many good films have ended up in the last you know f- five ten years. You know that could have that have jumped their way up on my list, and I think on our lists as general. You know, in general, is like it, it's funny to say that. Films since 2015 are now the best films we've seen, you know, so, but there is. It there happened is. after my, my section, but uh, if we went back and did, did another round, Bullet Train would be on there for me. Yeah. Bullet Train, definitely. Uh, yeah, one of the best movies of this year. Um, yeah, I could have very easily put Nope on that list. Too. Nope. Nope was brilliant. Get Out. Um, Get Out was one that I was considering because mm-hmm. that, uh, uh, of that group of films, that was a surprise in that, okay, this is why we make movies, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, so Get Out could have easily been talked about, yeah. And uh, I, if we could, I mean, we could if we just Knives go for Out. For, Knives Out is great. If we could just have a free-for-all next year, I'd love, I'd, I've very much tried to avoid it being too recent with our discussions because mm-hmm. I never wanted to be a current events podcast. Yeah, I mean, plus I'm bad about seeing movies, so. Yeah, uh, I'd love to talk about the Batman Oh, I God, mean, yeah. Nope, The Batman, and Bullet Train, three of the best movies that came out this year, in my opinion. Um, Chris, mm. are there any wrestling pay-per-views coming out this month? Are we done with wrestling for the year? I, I want to say yes. I think, well, because I know uh, AEW doesn't have anything, doesn't have right. an event this month. And WWE already did theirs, right? I, I let's want, all, let's vamp for time. Well, I want to say yes because okay. I figured if anyone knew off the top of their heads, it'd be you. Sadly, no. Um, but but don't worry, the internet is here to save my ass once again. I usually find um, out when dogs tells me. Texas. <laughs> yeah. Um, By the way, we're watching a pay per view this Sunday night. Yeah, basically. Oh, okay. Basically, I, I honestly forget most of the time myself. Um, aside from NXT, uh, no. Okay, so there's a there's a takeover this month. There is a takeover. Uh, well, there's a takeover. What what's today's date? Today is the 
Eleventh. It was the it was last <clears throat> night. <laughs> oh, so I need um, to, I need to text Shelby see if we're doing a this is a takeover. Yeah, but there's no there's there, there's nothing happening until uh, yeah they I think they started this either last year or the year before they stopped doing them in December, and then so or at least nothing major because the next one isn't scheduled till the Royal Rumble. Gotcha. So this uh, might end up being the last uh, Long Walk podcast episode of 2022. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've done a lot this year, including that week that we did three wrestling (laughs) pay-per-views. Oh, God. um, Which I personally, I love all of you. Uh, I support all of you. I never want to do that again. I I don't think I love wrestling that much either. (laughs) No. and uh, so uh, I'll announce in January whether we're doing a theme or not or whether we're doing a free-for-all. But uh, I hope that everyone has enjoyed this Perfect Tens discussion. I hope you'll come back and join it, uh, join us again next year. If you're a wrestling fan, I'm sure that 2023 is going to have a lot of good content. At least I hope it'll I be hope our so. first full year under the leadership of Triple H instead of Vince McMahon. Uh, AEW should <clears> be putting their game out sometime next year. And we'll see if AEW survives through the end of 2023. They probably will. Um, I, I will say before we go, do you guys have any like uh, movie or any other re- related type of thing, like uh, resolutions for the next year, things you want to do? Oh, I stopped doing New Year's resolutions a long time ago. I mean, it's ago. not an official resolution, but I decided what I wanted to try and do is catch up on my backlog, uh-huh. which I've told you guys about before. I just want to illustrate it real quick. Here's a list of the movies I, in my possession that I need to watch. That you own but haven't watched yet? Yes. Nice. I own in some capacity. <laughs> That's about 55. Um, and then there's TV shows that I also need to do. If any, that's not as long, but considering they're TV shows, that's going to be on there too. It's like, and I have, I have another page of extra stuff. It's like, yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta go. I'm gonna try and go back and actually get through everything this year. I do have to catch up on a lot of stuff to get prepared for the next phase of Marvel stuff. That's not important. They don't don't (laughs) reference that shit. But uh, still, um, you know, like, do my Daredevil. Finish my Daredevil stuff, you know. Do you finish. have you have Disney Plus? Yeah, I yeah, do. yeah, I do. you do. Yeah, you've got a lot to catch up on. Um, yeah, that's a whole other discussion. I suppose at some point we could also like we we spent a, uh, some time talking about our favorite Marvel films and discussing the end uh, the MCU leading up to Endgame. We could we, do a post. We ranked them for arbitrary reasons. <clears throat> we did. I suppose we could do a post Endgame like Phase Four discussion. How uh, we're feeling after the snap. Yeah, Um, but uh, we'll figure that out for next year. There may or may not be an NXT takeover episode coming out soon, or this could be our last one of the year. Um, So, Stan, if people want to reach out to you online, follow you online, where can they do that at? Chris, if people want to reach out to you online or follow you online, where can they do that at? I am regrettably still at Twitter. Um, Ew, why? Ew. I don't don't know why. It's like watching uh, a flan collapse in real time. I, I mean, there's still, I mean, I don't go there for fun, but I do go I'm there sure to see interesting discussions that aren't related to Elon Musk. Yeah. Um, Which are few and far between they, these days. They are. He's trying so hard to make everything about him. Isn't it, though? He's, yeah. Uh. He's just courting the right wing. But Well, what's your handle? Chris the okay. Nice. Um, if you want to follow me online personally, you can do that on Instagram at DB Hensley. If you want to keep up with the shows on social media, we are we, we still have Twitter uh, handled by uh, Shelby Ray Patterson from This Is a Takeover and This Is a Rewind. And you can follow us on Twitter at Long Podcast and at This Underscore Pod. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can do that at Long Walk Podcast and uh, at this is a takeover. If you want to keep up with Long Walk Productions, you can visit us online at longwalk.us or search for Long Walk Productions and Long Walk Podcasts on Facebook. To see more of our original work or hear past episodes that are no longer streaming, you can follow the YouTube links in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening, and if you enjoy this show or any of the shows on the Long Walk Podcast Network, please make sure to leave us a rating and a review on whatever platform you are listening on. Peace out. Stay tuned in 2023 for our Cocaine Bear episode, which will be happening. Oh, shit, yeah. Oh, cocaine, that's, that's the, my resolution. That's, that's 2023. <laughs> that's our entire theme. It's yep. Cocaine Bear. Yep. <laughs> Thanks Buy advance. your Christmas presents now. <laughs>